0: Seated. So good to see you here tonight. We're here to worship the Lord to study his word. We're going to continue our study in, in the life of Elijah. So I want you, if you would, we're going to start by actually reading in Luke, verse Luke 4:25. But I tell you of a truth: many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah. When the heaven was shut up three years and six months, when great famine was throughout all the land, but unto none of them was Elijah sent, save unto Zarepta, Zare- S- a city of Sidon, unto a woman that was a widow. Now this is what we're going to talk about tonight for a little bit. We've we've kind of uh, touched on it in the last couple of weeks. Now you can uh, just look at that. Now turn back to First Eli- uh, Kings chapter seventeen. And we'll start reading in verse 8. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belonged to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So he arose and went. Remember, this is when the brook dried up, okay? When the brook had dried up, where God sustained him for a while. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And she, she was going to fetch it. As she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not go and do as thou hast said but make me thereof a little cake first and bring it unto me and after make for thee and for thy son. I'm going to stop right there. I know that we we're familiar with this passage but remember what's taking place here the the uh, the apostasy of Israel in this day, and Ahab was the king, and Jezebel the queen. And God had His man, like we always talk about. God had His man prepared in the shadows that people weren't aware of, but the Lord was very aware of what He was going to do. And it's a great encouragement to me that God's not wringing His hands, wondering what on earth am I going to do with with America today or with the world today. Um, there's a big push for one world or whatever. He's not worried about these things. All things are. Are being played out he's still saving souls he's still raising the dead he's still healing the sick he's still uh by the blood of jesus washing sins away amen and so he's got it under control and it's things are playing out according to his will now he's not, he wills that all men are saved okay and all men are not being saved because we have a free will and all don't choose christ but he still sits on his throne and he still has things allowing to play out it's happening just like the bible says exactly like the scriptures say and he had this man named elijah who went and confronted the king and told him there wouldn't be a rain again but according to his word and god says immediately get the get by the brook cherith and i'm going to sustain you which he did after a while the brook dried up because there was no rain and so So God says, Arise, the word of the Lord came to him. And that's a phrase you're going to see over and over with Elijah. He waited on the Lord, and when it was time, the word of the Lord came to him. He didn't have to wring his hands and wonder what he was going to do. And I I don't live this way as fully as I should, but we need to realize that we are God's responsibility, and he's taking care of us. We just need to seek first his kingdom and righteousness. We need to keep our eyes upon the Lord Jesus. Stay in the will of God. Amen. When we get out, come back into it. Don't stay out for long. You know, I said, don't get out of his will at all. But we, if we find ourselves that we've strayed and in our attitude, our mind, our thoughts, even in, in our habits, whatever, God will forgive us. Get back in line and keep walking with the Lord. Amen. He's going to keep us. And so he sends, he sends Elijah and he says, the word of the Lord came when the brook dried up and said, go to Zarephath. And I know I mentioned this, that Zarephath was a land uh, that lay just outside the regions of Canaan. And it was a pagan type city. Uh, there was no, they worshipped idols. And it's amazing that we, we read that scripture in Luke, and it was a, that the Lord was actually bringing that as a rebuke. He said, look, there's a lot of widows in Elijah's days, but God didn't send Elijah to any of those widows in, in Israel he sent him to this woman over in Zarephath, who, uh, and God, God used her to sustain him. We're going to talk more about the woman in the, in the weeks ahead. But we do see that Elijah, one of the things about his life, quickly, this is, a, this is a recap, but we need to obey the Lord quickly. You don't wrestle in the sense and wonder, God, is that really the best thing to do, and so forth. We see in Elijah's case that when the Lord spoke, he He moved. You know, go talk to Ahab, go to the brook Cherith, go, and go to uh, Zarephath, and a woman's going to sustain you there. And so he, he obeys. And so this is actually the, the land that Jezebel was from. Isn't that interesting? And the word Zarephath, I mentioned at the end of last week's sermon, means a smelting furnace, okay? And again, I don't think it's any coincidence. God uses uh, fiery furnaces to try and perfect and to purify his people, his men and women. Don't think it's strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing's happening. I can look around, and I don't know everybody's life, uh, you know, as well as you know your own life, but I do know I can look around and know know trials that people are going through, serious trials, life trials, things that you wake up in the morning thinking about and going to bed at night thinking about as you're putting your head on the pillow. God allows us to go through these things, and it is a smelting furnace. He has chosen us to refine us in the fires of affliction. God says, I'm going to sustain you there in Zarephath by a widow woman, okay? Whatever needed to be uh, refined out of this man's life before he would go to Mount Carmel and call down fire from heaven, which is going to happen, and God's preparing him for it. But before he went and did that, there were some things in his life that God was still working on. The famine could have just been six months. It could have been six weeks, whatever, but it was three and a half years. God knows. I don't, I don't know why that, that amount of time, but I know why the, wor- the Lord was working on uh, trying to get the attention of his people, that they would cry out to him in repentance, he was also, I, I would think, working in the life of his man, Elijah, to prepare him for the job that he has for him. So he said in verse 9, I've commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. And uh, again, it's interesting that it was, it was no, none of the widows of Israel. It was a widow of this uh, heathen land that God chose. And so Elijah asked her in verse 12, he says, uh, he, he asked her to go get a little morsel of bread. Okay and she she basically just says look I, you know i don't she she's not complaining she's just telling straight up how it is she says look i, I don't even have enough for a, a full meal i got a little bit of meal in the bottom of this barrel i got a tiny little bit of oil in a vessel and i honestly we're going to make our last meal and eat it and then die that was the condition again you would think how Honestly, in a natural sense, how depressing this would be. You're walking in. He traveled about a hundred miles by foot to go from Cherith to there. He's tired, I'm sure, and he and, and he gets there, and there's going to be a widow woman. She's gathering the last little handful of flour and meal to make, you know, to eat it and die. And God says, "This this is your new home. You know, this is where you're going to be. I've commanded this widow woman to sustain thee." And so uh, God leads his people into things, and he, he's the one that sustains us through them. He leads us into things, and then he sends us th- sends us through the fire. There's a scripture, I'm just going to read it from Numbers 31, 23. The Lord says, everything that may abide the fire, you shall make it go through the fire, and it shall be clean. Now, this had to do with the spoils, like when they went into a land and And they took over Jericho or something or or whatever land they were taking. God would say, you know, the things need to be purified before you keep their their goods. But it's interesting. He says everything that can abide the fire, you're going to make it go through the fire. And it's going to be clean. And in an analogy, in a way, you could say that's what the Lord does in our lives. He sends us through the fires. None of us like it. There's not a person that likes the fire. And yet God sends us right into the midst of it. He says, and it shall be clean. God's using that. Amen. The fire is not going to destroy. We need to remember that. If you're in the fire right now and you feel like I cannot take this, I cannot take it one more day. I cannot take it one more hour. The fire is not going to destroy you. Not if God has put you there. So it's very important. I say it all the time. It's very important that we know that we're in the will of God. I can't tell you that. Maybe some things in your life I could look at or another Christian could look at and say that's not God's will. But for a lot of things in your life, nobody can know but you and the Lord. He knows, and he wants you to know. He wants you to know him so intimately that you hear his voice. You need to know that you're in his will. Daniel was in the will of God in a lion's den. That was the will of God for his life. If he had just run and decided one day to go, I'm going to go jump in there and see if God can protect me, that wouldn't have been the will of God. But it was God's will that he was in the lion's den when he was in the lion's den. You understand what I'm saying? We could go on and on with examples like that. But when we're in the, when we're in the, the fire, God will sustain us. That fire will not destroy you. It will not destroy you. It is going to make you better. You're going to take, uh, the the fire didn't destroy, Job did it. I go to Job all the time and I think about it. He went through the fire. It did not destroy him. He came out of it. He came out of it closer to God. He came out of it more like the Lord. He came out of it humbled. He came out of it like Jacob when when he walks with a limp the rest of his life, but he was blessed. Amen? As a prince, you've prevailed with... With God and man. And that's what the angel said to Jacob after wrestling with him all night. He said, I'm not letting go to you. Bless me. And so the fire is not going to destroy you. God uses it to cleanse you. So think about your own life. You go in a shower to clean off, okay? But as far as moral and spiritual cleansing things and impurities and uh, things that are not Christ-like in our life, God uses the fires of affliction, amen? The fires of affliction, he sanctifies us by the Holy Ghost. So the one who's putting you in is this God of love. And the God of love is going to be with you in the furnace when he puts you in there. And the flames are only going to, to burn off what he wants to burn off. The flames of the fire are not going to burn off anything other than he wants to burn off. You can keep your spot there in First Kings and turn with me to Daniel chapter 3. We know this story so well, but it's a wonderful story. Where the three Hebrew boys refused to bow to the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up, 90-foot-high image in the plain of Dura, commanded everybody to worship this image at the sound of the music. They refused. And they throw him in. They throw the three Hebrews in the fire and Let's look at verse 24, Nebuchadnezzar, the king was astonished and rose up in haste and spake unto and said unto his counselors, did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said unto the king, true, O king. He answered and said, lo, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire and they have no hurt And the form of the fourth is like the son of God. The only thing that was burned off of these men. Their they, we, we don't have time to read it, but their hair wasn't singed, right? I mean, I've, I've been putting too much light or fluid on the barbecue pit and burned the hair halfway up my forearms before lighting the, the barbecue. It, it happens. These guys went into this fire that was so hot that the soldiers that threw them in were killed when they got so close to the fire. And yet they're walking around, their clothes weren't burned, their hair wasn't singed. The only things, they were loose. They were loose. That means that the cords, because they were tied up like this before they were thrown in, and those cords were burned off. So the only thing that burned off in the fire was the, the, the things that had held them bound. So when God sends us through a fire, he wants to burn off things that hold us bound, that keep us from walking in the joy of the Lord. He's not out to kill you. He could kill us at a moment if he wanted to kill us. He's not out to kill us. He's he's not out to make us miserable. He's out to make us more like his son. And that takes time, and it takes the fire uh, of affliction to do it. Let's turn and look real quickly at uh, James. James chapter 1. Read verses 2 through 4 and then we'll skip down. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Temptations here is trials, okay? It's not just Uh, some enticement to sin. It is a trial or testing. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing or lacking nothing. Verse 12. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, again, this is a trying of our faith, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him don't despise it if it takes it takes we have to be mature enough I guess is what I'm saying we need to learn right take my yoke and learn of me we need to learn wise up a little bit in a spiritual sense take a step back and say why is this happening to me oh God my heavenly father who loves me who sent his son Jesus to die for me he has led me here my good shepherd has led me here And he is keeping me here. And he has a purpose for it. And he has a reason for it. And so don't just despise it. We're told that in the Old and New Testament. Don't despise the chastening of the Lord. Don't uh, count it all joy when you fall into diverse trials or testings of your faith. Now, the only way we can do that is by faith. We have to really know in our heart of hearts, not because a preacher told us, because we know in our heart of hearts, God is allowing me to go through this for my good. And I know it. So, Lord, I'm going. You're going with me, and I'm going. Amen? And so people that are watching on the outside, you know, what, 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 ha- what was the effect of the people? It was really a whole nation of leaders of Babylon, this world empire that was gathered on that day when the three Hebrews were thrown into the fire. They were all witnesses to it. They all saw what was the effect it's not saying it brought salvation to everyone it could have but we don't it did not but what it did do is it glorified the lord god was glorified in these three young men and the king makes a pronouncement a proclamation i make there's no god that can deliver like the god of shadrach meshach and abednego and so he makes this proclamation about nobody saying anything amiss about the god of, of Israel and of these three boys, it has an effect on not only on our lives, our going through a trial and not smelling like smoke, is, it glorifies God. If we always have our head hung down, and I've done it before, but if we always have our head hung down to where people always want, what's wrong, what's wrong, what's wrong? We always have to be kind of pampered. Uh, I'm not saying that you can't share your burdens with uh, a strong Christian friend that's going to join with you in prayer. Okay, I'm saying that we, we ought to go through the fire, not smelling like smoke, to where God gets the glory because He sustains us and He upholds us. Amen. And when we go through the fire, in in the furnace, God is always going to provide for us as well. So, what did the Lord say to Elijah? back on his life when he, he says, I've commanded a widow woman there to uh, sustain you. So the promise from God was that you you leave the brook Cherith, you go over here to Zarephath, a widow woman is going to sustain you. Just in plain terms, she's going to feed you. You're going to have the food and water and, and things that you need for as long as you need them. I've commanded that to be. And so... Honestly, when we can come to a place where we can trust God and believe, God, heaven and earth will pass away before you. one of your promises would fail. If God, the word of the Lord came to Elijah and said, I've commanded a woman widow woman to sustain you, then absolutely, without question, he's going to be sustained there by a widow woman. Heaven and earth could pass away, as I said, but that promise is going to be fulfilled. All the promises of God in him are yea and in him, amen, to the glory of God. He's going to keep his promises. And so the woman says, I'm going to gather a little food. So I'm going gather a few sticks. I'm going to make my last meal. We're going to eat it and die. And Elijah's response to her, let's look back at this. Go and do, verse 13, fear not, first of all, is what he says, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and after, make for thee and for thy son. And so he's not being selfish. This, this had to have been some type of a test from the Lord for the woman, you know. And guess what she did? She did it. She did it. She didn't have, she could say, you're crazy? This is, this is all I've got. Now, Mr. I'd sure liked to give you something. She could have said a lot of different things, but guess what she did? She went and did exactly what she was told to do, and and because she did, she received the blessings as well. But fear not was the first thing. So Elijah, he's he's displaying his faith by going to Zarephath, by telling the woman. Uh, I mean, he would have looked like a real heel. And he would look like a real anything but a man of God had he told her, give me some food. And, you know, and it didn't turn out the way he said. You understand what I said? Fear not, though, he said. You go make a little for me first and then make for you and for your son. And, and, listen, and we, we read it. Uh, for thus saith the Lord God of Israel. So he's speaking on behalf of the Lord. He believes it. And she believes it. both of them are going to be blessed. And the little boy. Okay. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruse of oil fail till when? It says until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. That could have been five days. It could have been five years. It, it, that we don't know. But the promise was that that stuff's not going to run out. And you're going to have enough to eat until the day that the Lord sends rain on the earth. I mean, what what a promise, and what faith. I think a lot of people would come short of that. They would come and hear that, and it's just not enough for them. You've got to show me some proof. You've got to—but there was no proof. There was a little handful of meal. There was a little bit of oil. It wasn't enough for three meals for three people. There was no proof that the oil wouldn't run out and the meal wouldn't run out. But there is proof, because if God says it, it's true. Yea, let God be true and every man a liar. If we would learn by faith to stand upon the promises of God and believe him. I've, I, again, I forget who said it, but I, uh, Moody or somebody that once said, the world has yet to see what God can do through the life of one man that's fully consecrated to him, that believes him fully. And other than Jesus, I don't, we, we haven't seen it. We've seen wonderful men of God, and Elijah is one. But uh, again, the o- only question we have to ask is, am I in the will of God? Remember a few weeks ago, we talked about the pattern where uh, we use Moses for an example. He's 40 days and nights up on the mountain, just him and Jehovah. And the Lord says, uh, showed him the pattern of the tabernacle and the ark and all the the." the golden lamp stands and all of that. He showed him all of that. And then he, after 40 days of actually seeing this, he goes, and now see, see Moses that you go and you make everything according to the pattern. Don't change it one little bit. Well, I think it would be a little better if the door was a little wider here. And No, make everything according to the pattern. We have to do it according to God's will. And this is what Elijah did, just in his simple... Very quick and very simple obedience to the Lord. He didn't say anything God didn't tell him to say to the woman. He, he did what he told, what the Lord told him to do. That's the pattern, okay? We have our pattern right here in the Word of God, amen? We have God's pattern and what he speaks to our hearts and lives, and you can't improve upon it. Walk in the in the light of God's Word. We can't stress that enough. It is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, amen? And so... He promises her to. He tells her, "Don't fear." And I'm going to bring uh, one more thought. Well, I want to read one scripture. If you have, uh, turn over to Second Chronicles chapter 20. Second Chronicles chapter 20. This is when Jehoshaphat in in the king of Israel and they're being invaded by. Uh, by the Moabites, who have them well outnumbered. Look what the Lord says, Second Chronicles 20, verse 17. Ye shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves, stand ye still, and see the salvation of the Lord with you. O Judah and Jerusalem, fear not, nor be dismayed, He's the king of Judah, I'm sorry. Tomorrow, go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. And so it's repeated. It's repeated to Joshua. It's repeated to men and women of God, uh, to fear not, to fear not, to fear not. And this is what Elijah is telling the widow woman. I'm sure she she had some fear as well. The same famine that was in Israel uh, was in her land of Zarephath as well. So I just want to touch on this before we close tonight, and that is... uh, that holy men of God and women of God, we're going to be the power that, that we have to serve God comes from the Holy Spirit. It is not our own, it's not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit saith the Lord of hosts. And I don't really want to get into a whole lot about, you know, was Elijah. Uh, filled with the Holy Ghost, was the Holy Ghost upon him. I think more the pattern that we see in the Old Testament is that the Holy Spirit would come upon men and women in the Old Testament. And in the New Testament, we we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. But either way, it is by the power of the Lord and by his Spirit that we obey God, that we do miracles. And so uh, Elijah was one of these men that the spirit of God was upon. Okay, we can say that for sure, and the Bible speaks a lot. Um, the uses the phrase "the spirit of Elijah." Okay, well, it's the Lord's spirit. He was just a man of like passions, like we are. It was the spirit in him, or upon him, that that is spoken of. I want to just turn it and read this to you quickly from Luke chapter one. Now, this is this is the angel Gabriel speaking to. Uh, Zacharias that he's he and his wife Elizabeth are about to have a son named John, John the Baptist. She was barren; they didn't have a child. That he's in the in the uh, temple, and the Lord, the angel comes and speaks to him. And look at verse fifteen. Now this is the angel talking to John about what kind, type of son he's going to have, and he shall be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. And he should be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall, shall he turn to the Lord their God, and he shall go before him in the spirit and power of, Eli, of Elijah. That is a phrase that's used more than once in the Bible, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. There's something, Elijah had a very specific, has a very specific place in the Bible, and he was one that was used by God—we're we're, going to get to it later in our study, but you know it—to turn the nation of Israel, albeit for just a short time, to turn them back to, true, to Jehovah, to true repentance, to cast off their Baal worship, and to turn back to God. And John the Baptist comes in the spirit of Elijah, in the sense of turning the hearts of Israel and saying, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Prepare you the way of the Lord. Make straight his path. Every mountain's going to be leveled, right, and every valley's going to be filled in to make his path straight. And so, this is that spirit. It's a Holy Spirit, and and we're, we're told he's going to. from the womb, John the Baptist is going to be filled with the Holy Ghost. I would say God can do whatever He wants. So on that doctrine, you know, just as a whole, we see the Holy Spirit come upon men and people in the Old Testament or before the before the cross. And then we see the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and then the baptism of the Holy Spirit afterwards, after the day of Pentecost. But God can do whatever he wants. John the Baptist was very clearly filled with the Holy Ghost from the mother's womb. And so, y'all, if we're going to do anything for the Lord, anything at all, it has to be by the Spirit of God. We're not going to do it in our flesh and it turn out to be of eternal value. We're not going to do it in our flesh and it turn out to be a mighty move of God. It has to be the Holy Spirit. It has to be by the Spirit of God. It's the Spirit of grace and mercy and, and, and holiness. It's the Holy Spirit in us. And, and if we're going to do anything for God, it must be by that. We have to be filled with the Spirit. Amen. We need to be filled with the Spirit. We need to be set apart unto the Lord. And so uh, God, God can give us the same faith as Elijah. And God can give us the same uh, feeling or power of the Holy Spirit upon our lives to serve him as, as Elijah was used in that way. And so uh, if in the natural you feel weak, you say, I don't speak good, I don't, I'm physically not strong, I'm, uh, I don't have that personality that everybody just tunes into, whatever it may be, God can make up for all of that by the power of his Spirit it's not up to you. He's chosen the weak things and the foolish things, right? Think about it. He actually made that a choice. He's chosen the the foolish things and the weak things and the base things and the things that are despised. The world looks at him and says weak. The world looks at him and says foolish. The world looks at him and says despised. And yet God says, that's the ones I'm choosing. That's the ones I'm choosing. You know why? You know how that chapter ends in 1 Corinthians chapter 1? That no flesh should glory in his presence. I say hallelujah to that. No flesh should glory in his presence. He's going to use some widow woman to sustain his prophet. Nobody can glory in that. It's a widow woman who's poor and she doesn't have a husband and she's just got a little tiny bit of meal and oil. That's who God's going to use to sustain his prophet that is going to later, not very long from, far from them, be used to turn a nation back to God and have all those Baal prophets and priests killed. It's just amazing when you think of it. We would never, I say it all the time, we would never do it like God does it. We would never think of it. We would never It would never enter our minds, the things that God can do, that he does do, that he has done. Um, it's just amazing. I'm, I'm very thankful that that he can choose the foolish things and the weak things. It's not a pity party like, oh, I'm, I'm weak and I'm pitiful. It's just knowing who we are. Uh, without the Lord, we're nothing. Without the Lord, we're nothing. He, can, he chose a little shepherd boy to kill a, a giant, and it ended up not just killing a giant. It was a great victory that day. Of defeating the philistines the whole army was emboldened to go out and fight the philistines and they won a great victory god can use who he wants to but the power is the power of the lord is the power of his spirit finally my, finally my brethren be strong in the lord and in the power of his might and when it takes place and when the victory comes and the work is done all the glory goes to god not to any man we're talking about elijah but we're really talking about the god of Elijah. who who called him and chose him uh, to use him. And so uh, the Holy Ghost gives things that are above and beyond. You know what I mean? Above and beyond. He He gives above and beyond the ministry that Elijah was called to, or John the Baptist, who was in the spirit of Elijah, That wasn't normal things. That was above and beyond. When John the Baptist was preaching in the Judean wilderness by the Jordan River, it says multitudes from neighboring countries came to him. How is that possible? I think about that all the time. You know, he wasn't like a little street on the corner of some busy intersection of Jerusalem. He's in the wilderness, and God's sending people out to him. Multitudes. And guess what? When they get there, they're listening. And when they're listening, they're obeying. And they're submitting and they're ba- being baptized in the Jordan River. It's just um, God calls us to things that are beyond us. God calls us to do things that are extraordinary. Fear not. That's what Elijah told the widow woman. She goes, I've only got a little bit, uh, enough to make one little Ritz cracker. That's all, that's all the meal I got here. And he says, you, you, you make a little bit for me first. Fear not. You're not going to run out. He had to believe it. He had to hear from God. Now, like I said, he'd look like a fool if he didn't really hear from God, and that wasn't the case. He heard from God. He believed it. He told her, praise God, she believed it. This is probably why God didn't send Elijah to one of the other widows. There was a lot of widows in Israel in that day, but God didn't send Elijah to any of them to be sustained. He sent Elijah to this woman in Zarephath. She believed the promise, and we don't have time. To, we're going to get it in, in the in the weeks ahead, but it, it is a work of the Holy Ghost, and I want to close with this, uh, a few verses. Is the power of the Holy Spirit? Is the fullness of the Holy Spirit? Look at Luke, chapter four. This is speaking about our Lord, Luke four one, and He being full of the Holy Ghost returned from the from Jordan. This is after his temptation uh, after he was baptized and being led into the wilderness. He was led by the spirit into the wilderness. Verse 14. After the temptation of 40 days in the wilderness, and Jesus returned turned in how did he return? In the power of the spirit. Physically weak, spiritually stronger than anything. Okay? Physically weak, spiritually strong. He returned to the power of the Spirit into Galilee, Galilee, and there went out a fame of him throughout all the region round about. Verse 18, the Spirit of the Lord. He goes in the synagogue, okay, and he says, uh, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. It's the Holy Spirit, y'all. It's the Spirit of God. That's the way he chooses to empower us. That is the way he does empower us. He calls us to things that are beyond us. Don't be afraid. Don't fear it. He's going to call you to do something you cannot do. That's when you know it's the Lord. He's calling you to do something you can't do, and so you have to be on your knees before the Lord and walking closely to the Lord, and you have to be filled with the Holy Spirit or else you couldn't. You couldn't take the first step. You couldn't accomplish at all. How is it going to be sustained, and a widow woman, and her son with this much meal and this much oil for the duration of the famine? Well, by God. That's the only way, Right? He calls us to do things that are beyond us. The Lord told Moses, don't stand here. You tell the people to go forward. You go and you hold your rod out over the Red Sea and I'm going to part it. Don't stand here. You tell the people we're going forward. How can we go forward? There's a sea there. We can't go backwards. The Egyptians are there. You just tell the people, let's move forward. You stand up on the mountain and hold your staff. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show you this day. Fear not. Fear not. Amen? So God is going to take care of us. We're living in times, and in, in, uh, spiritually, I could say a lot like what was going on in Israel in the days of Ahab and Jezebel and Elijah. I mean, the whole nation. We're, there's some wonderful Christians, but as a whole, we're, the nation is turned. It's turned from God, and we're in the midst of it. God's saying to us, fear not. Trust me. Uh, Know that you're in God's will. Know that you're hearing in the voice of the Lord. And step out and trust him and believe him. Amen. It's going to glorify God. It's going to strengthen your faith. And it's going to glorify the Lord. We're only here for a little while, y'all. Let's glorify God while we're here. Glorify the Lord Jesus Christ as much as you can while you and I are here on this earth. Amen. Father, we praise you and thank you for this night. God, and I thank you, Lord, for the things you're teaching us from your word. Lord, to trust you, to not despise when, we, when you send us through a fiery furnace, God, because you're with us like you were with the three Hebrews. God, we praise you and we thank you, Lord Jesus. I pray our faith would be strengthened. We pray, God, that we would be humble. I pray that you'd make us a humble and holy people that truly our life glorifies you. And God, I pray that you would strengthen your people, all of us, God, for the, for the fiery trials that we're going through or will go through, Lord. I thank you that you'll never leave us nor forsake us. I thank you that you'll sustain us. We don't have to worry. Will God take care of me in the midst of this? The answer is yes. You're a faithful God. Faithful is he which calleth you who also will do it. God, we praise you. We acknowledge your faithfulness. We trust you. Give us faith to believe your promises and to step out, Lord, in Jesus' name.